Hello and welcome to the University Guide podcast. I'm David Hawkins. Now, to those of you who subscribe to the podcast, and if you don't, do please subscribe to the podcast, you'll have got two podcasts coming in your feed this morning. You probably have just heard the wonderful interview with Akil Bello, focusing on US standardized testing in the context of the United States. And clearly that's important because decisions that are made for international students will come from a perspective of where the majority of test takers are, which is in the United States. But as Akil um, very openly says, his thing is domestic applications and domestic test prep. So in order to round this out fully, I need to look at the international perspective. And there is only one person in the UK who I think knows this forwards, backwards, left and right. It's Dr. Jason Smith of UES Education. So to make sure that we get both perspectives covered here in this bumper double episode edition of the University Go podcast, I got Jason up on a Zoom and here is us talking about what students, councils and parents should be thinking about standardised testing for international applicants. Enjoy. Jason Smith is back um, in this complicated situation with testing right now to offer another range of excellent thoughts on the context of US standardized testing for an international student. Jason, thank you so much for, for coming back on the podcast. Thanks for having me back. Great. So um, people who've been listening along will realize we've had a conversation with Akil Bello on the kind of US context of what's going on in testing. Yeah. That clearly applies also internationally as well. For you, for the schools, for the students that UES work with, where are you with the kind of process of what should students be doing now for test prep in the light of such a shifting situation in the US? It, it's a great question because obviously there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment in college admissions and especially in testing. And at the moment, there's a lot of clouds hanging over students in terms of when they're gonna be able to test, what the test is going to look like and that sort of thing and that can lead to quite a lot of anxiety and is leading to a lot of anxiety in students in parents and in the teachers that we deal with the way we see it is that there is an opportunity actually for students to make the most of the time that they've got available now because internationally particularly in the uk students are not doing their final exams they're not doing their gcses um, and actually what we're seeing is that younger years, year 11s, are now starting to think about, well, what can I do with this time if I'm gonna think about applying to America? And those years are now starting to think about getting ahead of their test prep when they might have actually started later on in say September, which is what we normally see with year 12s, uh, and then aiming to take their first test in December. What we're seeing students thinking, well, okay, I don't know when these tests are gonna be, Maybe they'll be in the summer, maybe they'll be later, but I can now get started with my test prep and do the test early, and I've got it out the way before the rest of the stuff happens in terms of A-levels and things like that when it starts to get much busier. So there's that. The students who are currently already in the process in year 12, who have already started their test prep for the most part, what we've seen is that students haven't, for the most part, decided to go you know what I'm not going to do it now it's too uncertain actually those students who managed to deal with the anxiety well enough have decided that actually they're just going to use this as an opportunity to do more prep and to get ready for those tests whenever they may be they're well aware they've got fewer dates they don't have the 
April and May dates they would have had. Um, they probably won't have the June date for the ACT, we don't know yet, certainly not for the SAT. And then after that, it's probably going to be July, more likely August for their first date. But they do know that at some point, they are going to have dates to do the test. And therefore, why not get ahead and start preparing for it now? Now, right. the position we come from it in, sorry, David, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, no, carry, carry on, Jason. So the position we have is that there are obviously plenty of students who should not be doing tests at this time. There are lots of other options for them, and there's plenty of colleges that are now test optional. But those students who have the opportunity and the ability to do tests, it's still a good idea for them to think, OK, well, why not use this time that I've got available now to try and have a go at those and maybe influence the, um, the, the rate of admission to various colleges? Correct. Got it. And I guess then in what you're saying there, though normally your strategy of, of you and the excellent tutors that you have would be, you know, building a plan around when that test is going to be. I guess you have to refocus a lot of this on, on kind of more of, of the sort of foundational skills and, and being ready for whenever it might be able to take a test and, and in whatever format that might be. Yeah, that's right. So normally we would have a conversation with a student when they start about what they should be aiming for. And that's done by looking at what kind of level they're at now, how much time they've got for prep, what sort of scores they, they'll need to get and when the next tests are. Um, there is obviously uncertainty now about when the next test is. So it would be a bit crazy to say, look, you've got to try and get your scores um, up to a perfect level by June. And then suddenly they can't do another test until October or something. So instead, what we're saying is, let's try and build it up slowly, use the time in conjunction with everything else that you need to do through applications and, and everything else that, that enhances what you're doing in school and outside of school, and use that time to build up, as you say, the foundational skills to a point at which they are just prepared to take a test whenever it might be. And I think that's probably one of the key messages that we always try and get to students is that these tests are a, a way of demonstrating to colleges that you are um, able to commit to things long term and um, put effort into something that is a bit annoying and tricky. Um, but if you prepare over a long period of time, you can use those skills and build up those skills that you'll need for college. So really, it actually kind of aids our, um, our message, if you like, in just telling students, just build up your skills so that you are prepared for whatever happens. Understood. Great. And now, uh, one of the things that, that, that I want to, to talk to you about, and, and this is where maybe the interesting of the international context can help inform people in the US, is SAT have come out and said if need to, they'll be offering a, an at-home version of the SAT. Yeah. ACT are, are also going to do the same. Internationally, mm -hmm. we've had some of these sort of at-home tests before, Duolingo English tests being one, um, things like GMAT yeah. and TOEFL. But also we've had a number of cycles now of the computer-based ACT, though they're not at home, taken uh, mm. in a test centre. So I'm, I'm imagining that actually someone like, like yourself, Jason, and your colleagues who is embedded in, in the international test prep space might be able to give a lot of tips and information for counsellors in the US who may just suddenly have students who are used to pen and paper and taking it in a test centre who are suddenly going to be taking it in their spare room at home. Mm. Uh, so obviously a lot of the experience that we have is of the switch to the CBT version of the ACT. Now that wasn't done at home and it may be done at home soon, but still that switch was quite significant and took everyone a bit by surprise because um, 
we weren't given much of an opportunity to work out exactly how that would look, what the format was like, and, and therefore how to try and teach students to do that test. Um, so we've had to be quite agile, if you like, in dealing with that already. And uh, I imagine that the, those councils in the US are now going to be faced with having to um, advise students on a new test they don't know about um, in a very short space of time. With the CBT version of the ACT, it was actually quite surprising. We thought from talking to parents and talking to teachers that students would be quite reluctant to do it on computer and would um, struggle with the format of it and wouldn't like the fact that they'd have to write on laminate paper and type into a screen rather than scribbling things on a bit of paper like they're used to. The surprising thing was that actually very, very few students had any problem with this at all. And in some sections, we saw the scores go up where we weren't expecting, like in the reading section. Um, still not exactly sure why that is, but it's probably something to do with being able to answer the questions directly next to the text. Um, and with the other sections, even for the math, um, students didn't have a problem getting used to doing working and answering the questions in a slightly different way. So I suppose my first message would be don't underestimate the ability of students to uh, cope with changes very quickly. But there are things you can do to try and help them. And the number one thing is try and replicate the test as closely as possible. This is always a good tip for exams anyway, is replicate the environment in which they're going to take it, replicate the format and the timing, try and put students under pressure. I know that sounds like a horrible thing to say, but try and put them under the same sort of pressure they're going to feel on the day so they get used to it. So it's not a particularly anxious feeling when they actually go to test on the day. Um, there are tools out there for the CBT test already to try and replicate that experience. The ACT have a few tests, although you have to dig deep to try and find them. Um, and um, by doing that, you can you can try and get them used to that. Um, right. the, the other changes we've seen um, were with some of the other tests that we teach, so GRE, GMAT in particular, they have moved to at-home at online testing very, very quickly. And um, we've got a few students who've taken those tests. And we, um, we've got some, uh, some information about what students felt of, found about those tests already. Um, generally, again, the experience has been pretty good. It's interesting to see how it works. So with both the GRE and GMAT, there is a live proctor. So you go online. Um, you speak to a real person, they talk you through what's going to happen with the test, put you at ease. They then take over your computer and put the software on it and start the test. And then halfway through the test, you can have a break um, at the end of a particular section and you can leave the room, go and have a cup of coffee. And that actually has made the experience a bit nicer for students, okay. nicer than going to a test centre, um, having to sit there around people that you don't know um, and not being able to get up. Um, so actually, it, it can be um, a much nicer experience than, um, than the, the normal sort of test, as long as you feel like you've prepared for the format of the exam. Understood. And I find worth saying here, and, and important, I guess, for people who, who may not know you and, and, and your colleague Simon and your team and, and the sort of the ethics that underpin UES, but you, you're not you know, here to shill for, for test prep and push it by all means possible. No. You know, you, you, you have said to me in many times, you, you accept that, that these tests are, are, are imperfect and, and don't always do the job they're going to do, but if they're part of the process, you want students to be well prepared. That, that's exactly it, David. We, we're not the sort of company that says you've just got to test to death 
you've got to do both tests, you've got to do a mock test in both SAT and ACT, and you've got to have 100 hours of tuition. Um, we're not that sort of company because we don't believe that that is true. Um, there are plenty of students that we would advise not to do the tests because it's going to be detrimental to their applications in terms of distracting from the other things they need to do. And it might be detrimental to their well-being as well, doing these tests. And there's plenty of other options for those students. But the truth of it is there are, of course, lots of students that we see who have the ability and the time and the opportunity to take the tests. Um, and then we'll help them find the most efficient way to get the scores they're capable of. But even then, we're not going to keep pushing them to keep doing um, prep and, and things when we know that they've got so many other pressures on their time. So we would always advise students to think carefully before committing to do, doing loads and loads of tests. And we would certainly ask them to stop after doing two or three tests. Um, and equally, we're not going to ever push them into doing dozens of hours a week of prep because well, frankly, who's got that time? And life is certainly about more than just doing tests. Agreed, agreed. Um, so obviously you're very plugged into just sort of the, the testing space um, uh, more, than, more than I would be, certainly the, the sort of the admissions and the, and the strategy side is, as, as we work together closely with my side of it. If you are, you know, sitting here at the end of April 2020 and looking over the next kind of three, four months of this process when the, the class of... of 2021 would really be doing all the testing. Where do you think we're going to go with this? You know, are we like to get physical test centres opened? Are uh, is the online thing going to have to happen? You know, what what does testing look like now for students who would be gearing up to to go through the 2020-21 admission cycle? Well, I think we'd all be fools for trying to predict things um, very explicitly, um, but I think there, there's certainly a trend towards doing tests at home. Um, I think that what's going to happen is that we will get test centres opening again at some point because there will be students who need to test in test centres for a variety of reasons, be it accommodations or disabilities or, um, or access to technology. Um, but I think that once companies have nailed the at-home testing, it will be here to stay because it's better for everyone. It's better for the students. It's better for the colleges because it, they can be sure that students are, are getting more access to the tests. It's better for test prep companies because they don't have to try and convince students to go across a city or across the country to go to a test center. Yeah. Um, so I think that will probably be here to stay. And um, we've already seen tests, um, as you mentioned before, the Duolingo English test has already been online at home and they have managed that very well. So I think that if companies, particularly the College Board and the ACT, if they're going to invest a lot of money in designing at-home tests, they're probably going to try and make that a long-term thing. The thing that does need to change um, is making sure that those tests are valid and reliable. Um, I don't envy being um, a, uh, a, a testing professional on the, um, the College Board or ACT side at the moment because they've had to try and make some decisions extremely quickly and try and provide these tests very quickly and that is um, that that has led to the situation in which we don't actually have the data on how these test scores will compare to the normal format of the tests so that has to change there has to be more data there has to be more research into that but once we've got that data and um, we can be sure of the reliability and the, the fairness side of it um, then I think that actually it's a better situation for students 
obviously the ultimate situation, the, the, the best possible situation would be that the tests just don't exist and students can be judged fairly on everything else in their applications. But until that happens, making the testing experience nicer for students um, is surely a good thing. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And, and, and interesting on this podcast that I found the, the two, two um, almost poachers turned gamekeepers of people who, who know test prep in every single way and yet are, are saying that there's massive limitations to it. So um, just in terms of the practicalities, Jason, you, know, you as I said, you, you are, are focusing on the, this area of international applications. Is there any kind of particular intelligence on test dates, location of test centres and things that you can pass on to, to listeners? Um, it, nothing that pro people probably don't already know. Um, I think in, in terms of what's happening with the tests, um, we can be reasonably certain that the June test for the ACT is probably not going to happen. It's difficult to see how that's going to happen under the current situation um, internationally. Um, and I'm not sure about the July test. That really is, is too early to say. Um, and apart from that, I, I think anything else that I would say is just an educated guess, not based on any particular intelligence that I've got, unfortunately. Yeah, but you are an educated man, Dr. Jason Smith. So <laughs> Thanks make, very make, much. make an educated guess, guess um, for me. I'll put you on the spot. Um, so you want me to guess about what's going to happen with the test over the next few months? Yeah. Okay, well, I, I guess what's going to happen is that there's not going to be a June or July test. Um, and therefore, I think the next test will be the August SAT. Um, and I think the uh, September SAT will go ahead, as will the September ACT. Um, and internationally, we'll see the rollout of at-home testing from, I would guess, September or October. Um, and uh, I would make an educated guess that the majority of colleges will accept those at-home tests because it would be unfair not to if students have taken those tests and haven't managed to take any other tests. Um, and then I, I think that after December, everyone will pause and work out, okay, what just happened there? Um, are these tests valid? Um, and I think that in the end, everything will tend towards at-home testing. Understood, and I, and I will give give Jason an out um, for for listeners of saying that I did did push him there. I know Jason um, not only as, as someone with a PhD but a PhD in mathematics is very very nervous about going beyond hard evidence. Um, was me as a historian are very happy to speculate. So um, <laughs> I will I will allow Jason off if if, if his his assessment of this, which is probably based on I would say the person inside in the UK who knows this this world better than anyone else. If it doesn't turn out that way, then blame me, not Jason, because I forced him to to yeah, go exactly months ago. Awesome, Jason. Um, you, you and, and your team at UAS, as I keep saying, do a, do a wonderful job. I'm very happy to the students I work with um, and schools I work with are, are using you guys all the time because not only is the quality good, but the, but the ethics, as hopefully people here, are, are wonderful. For people who who have heard you say this, who have students in, in situations, maybe even people listening from the US who want to get the benefit of your your knowledge with the the CBT for the ACT and, and bring that into their work, where can people get hold of you? So they can email me at jason at uesteducation.com or they can always call us. Um, we're available most of the time on 020-77-248-333 and our website is uesteducation.com. Great. And for anyone in the US, Jason will be deciding whether he stays in the UK and runs the September the 26th test date for the SAT or, or as I know you enjoyed last year, you head back over for NACAC. 
where you can speak um, to Well, I am registered to attend NACAC, and um, I've never been to Minneapolis, so I really, really hope that goes ahead. Yeah, interesting. I now have the three-way clash of a test date, um, London College Day that, that date, and also my birthday. So thank you, College Board, for, for, for making it <laughs> a triple clash. Jason, thank you so much for your time today. I know everyone will no think you appreciate your perspective on this. Um, it's great to have you back on. Great. Pleasure. So there's a huge amount going on right now, and hopefully those perspectives, first of Akil and secondly of Jason, give some sense of where the discussions are going. Certainly not easy choices for students, parents and counsellors to be making right now. But as I've been saying in many of the talks I've been giving um, to students through Zoom and Teams and Hangouts over the last couple of weeks, though the tactics of US admissions, the way in which we do each little bit of the puzzle, may have changed, the overarching strategy of why these things matter and why US universities are using all these different tools, be they standardised testing, common app essay, activities lists, teacher references and supplemental essays, why all these bits matter stays the same. US universities are trying to work out how do students fit their academic and cultural community. So some useful things in there. Please do, if you've just come to this second episode with Jason, go back and listen to the previous one with Akil because the two are designed to work together. So that's it for this episode of the University Guide podcast. We very much appreciate your reviews. Thank you so much for following me on Instagram or on Twitter. Um, if you don't follow the University Guides on Facebook, we try to keep up updated information there. I push out lots of interesting articles and important new bits of information. We'll be back soon with another episode. That focus of the episode will be looking at the coronavirus situation from quite a different perspective. Um, my guest is a former police officer who now supports students in the UK with their personal uh, safety. It's a really interesting conversation, and one that's made me think quite interestingly about preparing students to go a long way from home for university. So look out for that in your feed coming very soon. Thanks again for listening.